You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. And welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have a great podcast lined up for you today. Uh, and so let's move on to our guests this week. First up is someone you haven't heard since we talked about a runaway train in the ice, and that is my friend, Mr. Will. How are you, Will? I'm doing great, sir. How are you doing? I am doing great as well. Excellent. So has anything new and exciting happened in the, I don't know, seven months since we recorded that <laughs> episode? <laughs> well, actually, uh, somewhat, yeah. I, uh, I've switched careers. I'm no longer with the, uh, the large box retailer. I'm now with a large box grocer grocery store chain so uh it'd be a, a bit of an overhaul change in my life but i was ready for something new so it's been good for me so far um but beyond that man just living loving life oh well, you know you've probably increased your chances of having another coke o- coke okay <laughs> or whatever you call it coke apocalypse i know right yeah yeah yeah, it might be interesting come uh, come you know summertime when all the sales start happening and and all that good stuff. So might be some interesting stories from the front lines. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> right, just make sure to see a therapist or something because that PTSD can be a little hard. So that's right, that's right. <laughs> Therapy and uh, heavy drinking will be you know on on the on order. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, great to have you back. Well, thank you, sir. And next up is um, a guy that. Who I think uh, you'll have last heard him talking about heroes, and that is James. How are you doing, James? Doing well, not too bad. So what's uh, what's been going on in your life uh, since we last spoke, James? Um, you know, not that much. Uh, on the job hunt, um, which I've lined up a bunch of stuff for that, so excited there. Um, I started uh, doing my own uh, podcast again, where uh, uh, it's very video game heavy, so uh, we talk a lot about games occasionally, about movies, general nerdy kind of stuff like that, but yeah, I got that up and running, so I'm super excited to uh, start getting those edited and uh, start publishing them on my webpage. So what's the name of your podcast again? Uh, so the name of my co- podcast is called The Ass with Class, and uh, <laughs> it's found on my page, uh, Roman on the Rocks. Okay, yes. Yes, so that's the the podcast about gaming and drinking, right? That's right, that's right. Um, I uh, occasionally try to pair some sort of alcoholic beverage to the game <laughs> that we're d- <laughs> discussing. Um, it really depends on like how bitter I feel about the game, usually. <laughs> Do you ever go to like a GameStop or something and ask the guy like what wine would go best with a particular <laughs> game? I, you know, I haven't, but that is a fantastic <laughs> idea. I really like that idea. <laughs> Pardon me, could you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. Well, it's good to have you back, James. Yeah, 
And uh, finally is a new uh, contributor to our podcast. He is someone that I have known since the tender age of 12 when I was in Miss Ewing's English class. He is uh, someone that uh, I have read so many books, comic books, played video games with over the years that it is just insane. And that is my friend, Kevin. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing great, Nathan. Thanks for having me on your show. Hey, no problem. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, Kevin? Uh, well, I was a nerd growing up, obviously, as you, <laughs> you know. Uh, Obvious. Too much, time, too much time playing video games and reading and uh, joined the Marine Corps, of all things, I guess just to kind of prove that I could do it. Of course, I didn't go all the way hardcore. I was in the band, right. so... Uh, yeah, but you still have to. And, you still have to pass all the you know qualifications, even in the band. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Go, we went to the rifle range every year, took fitness tests, all that stuff, uh, uniforms and everything. And uh, then I got my nursing degree, and now I'm actually in the Navy as a nurse. And uh, I've been doing that for about six years. Still trying to play the drums when I can. Still playing video games as I'm able to, and trying to. Stay in touch with my nerdy roots. All right. Well, that is awesome. Now, uh, Kevin, what would you say is... You can list more than one thing, but what are your primary fandoms? Oh, that is that is a tough one. Uh, I okay. guess <laughs> I didn't Star think Wars would be a big, mm. big one. Um, Star Trek, too, but I was never as hardcore into it as you were. I like a lot of anime. I've been trying to get caught up on Naruto recently, which is just just a mistake that's just too much there's like 700 episodes but <laughs> of course dragon ball z was a big one back in the day you know following the marvel movies these days gosh i feel like i'm missing something and of course i like all you know nintendo games and games in general mm -hmm. all right well no that's fine you don't have to go through you know and figure out everything but no that's uh, pretty good but it's it's mostly just so that people know a little bit about you and you know like the kind of things that you like so uh, um, no. and i used to speed run super metroid yeah i wondered if you were going to bring that up or not yeah i think <laughs> might as well throw that i i thought i almost had the world record at one point um with an in-game time of 36 minutes but since then now they record it with the real time and the time has gotten much lower mm. so i uh, hung up my hat some time ago yeah but at the time when you submitted it your time was better than the one that was actually posted as the world record yes Yes, that's correct. Uh, even though, at the same time, someone else sent in one that was even better than yours. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, so, so it is a kind of claim to fame, or almost. Yeah, I was, I was faster than anybody else I knew at the right. game, anyway. <laughs> okay, alright, I'm sorry, that's more than just anyone that you knew. That's, like, better than, like, 99.9% .9 of the people who have ever played Super Metroid to beat it in 36 minutes. <laughs> That's still a really great accomplishment. <laughs> but anyway, it's good to have you on, Kevin. Thanks. You're welcome. But now uh, it's time for our five questions segment. For those of you who are new to the podcast, what five questions is, is it's a way to just kind of loosen us up before we dive into our topic. And so I've got about a hundred questions that I have a random number generator go through and pull out. Um, so that, uh, you know, we can just talk about something that's a little bit off topic ahead of time and, you know, just give you a little bit more of an insight into our interests. 
Alright, so first up, Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis? Oh, see, I was a Super Nintendo guy, like, all of my, all, all of my, my youthful life. Uh, it's like the only, uh, it's the only system I owned in my house. Mm. I had a friend who had a Sega, but every time I went there, uh, it was never there because he come to find out he didn't actually own it. Uh, he was like, I borrowed it from my cousin who lives like an hour away. <laughs> so we never got to play it. So I just grew up on Super Nintendo playing, uh, Super Mario All-Stars and, uh, playing Mario Kart and all that stuff. Awesome. Uh, yeah, hands down, Super Nintendo. I mean, Super Mario World, Super Metroid, Link to the Past, Mario Kart, I could go on and on. Man, it's, yeah, the correct answer is Super Nintendo. As Will said, the correct answer is Super Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> See, it's funny because if I was still in touch with some of my friends that I do before Kevin, it's like everyone was like Sega Genesis. Like, Sega Genesis is the best thing ever. And Kevin, I think probably one of the things we bonded over fairly early on was our mutual love for the Super Nintendo. So, yeah, I'm also Super Nintendo all the way. I think early on, Sega probably did have slightly better graphics, but the play control especially and the games that came out for Super Nintendo were much better in my opinion. Like, try playing Street Fighter 2 on the Sega Genesis. It's just, it's just bad. It's that, that three buttons, you know, trying to... Yeah, it doesn't work. So, anyway. Okay, second question. Who's a better Robin? Dick Grayson or Tim Drake? Oh. I don't like that question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Hmm. I, I guess I always I always hold out for, for Dick. Uh, Dick Grayson. Only only because, like, he, he went on... That. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I realized that after I said it, and I was like, "Oh, that's bad phrasing." Uh, mostly because he goes on to become Nightwing, and Nightwing Solo is a total badass. Like, I love Nightwing Solo. So, uh, yeah, uh, Dick Grayson, better Robin. Yeah, can, is there a third option? Can I choose Damien? <laughs> no, no, Damien's not on here. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I gotta go with Dick as well, Grayson. For the same reasons, you know, he, he, you know, he, he came into his own, he proved that he was worthy to carry his own weight as his own superhero as he got older and graduated to become Nightwing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's got to be Mr. Grayson for the win. All right. Uh, I guess Grayson? Uh, honestly, I'm showing my lack of DC love right now because <laughs> I just looked up Tim Drake to see who he is exactly. So <laughs> he's a, apparently he's the third robin come on you watched batman the animated series i know because we watched it together <laughs> oh was he the robin on that show yeah he was the second robin the the one after when dick becomes nightwing he was the robin ah okay yeah no and actually mine would my favorite would be from the dark knight rises that girl oh okay sure she i thought she had she, she had some spunk yeah I forget her name right now, but yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> Gary Kelly. Thank you, yes, yeah. thank you. For me, I'm going to say just because of the way that, I, that, that the question says better Robin, I am going to actually go with Tim Drake, because while I agree that Nightwing is awesome, I think Tim makes for a better Robin. Uh, he is the better sidekick slash supporting character in my mind, so I prefer Tim. Third question, do you take the red pill or the blue pill? Oh man, send me down the rabbit hole. Like, there's no doubt about it. I, like, I'm, I'm also a rabid Matrix fan. <laughs> so, yeah, no, send me down the rabbit hole. I want to learn Kung Fu. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me the red, man. Give me that red pill. 
Life is uh, is normal enough, man. Give me give me the weird and give me the abnormal. Let's do it. Uh, every time the red pill. I'm I'm always up for trying something new and uh, given an option, I'll try the new option rather than the same old. Uh, for me, it's the question of I don't like um, deception, so I definitely want to see what's really going on. So it's red pill for me as well. So fourth question: Better spy comedy. Would you believe watching Get Smart or Austin Powers is groovy, baby? I did not do Mac Myers. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was awful. But anyway. Isn't that required, though, when you mention Austin Powers, you have to yeah. do an impression? It's groovy, baby, yeah. It was hard switching from Maxwell Smart to uh, Austin Powers. But anyway. <laughs> I, for me, it... It would be Austin Powers, and and I think that's only because Austin Powers was like my first like horrible like funny spy like series kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. I had never seen Maxwell Smart from like Get Smart um, as like a show or the movie or anything like that uh, before Austin Powers. So yeah, no, I'm I'm an Austin Powers kind of guy. I'm gonna have to go with Maxwell Smart simply because if there was no Maxwell Smart, there would have been no Inspector Gadget, and I love that show. With you. <laughs> that's a good point. So there you go. Good point. Austin Powers, baby. And I was about to try and voice, and that that was going to (laughs) (laughs) I'm better at doing Mike Myers' normal voice than I am his Austin Powers. But anyway, (laughs) this to me, there's no wrong answer to this question, but um, uh, for me, it's Get Smart. I grew up watching reruns of Get Smart, uh, and even though I love Austin Powers, uh, the first one is one of my favorite movies, partially because I love the Bond franchise as well, but... I just think Get Smart is always so funny, and there's so much more variety because it's a TV show. So I, that's my go-to there. All right, so final question. You've got something to say on social media. Do you go to Facebook or Twitter? Well, the funny thing is, is my Facebook's linked to my Twitter, but primarily <laughs> <laughs> I'll go, I'll go to Facebook almost every, like just habitually. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it's just it's it's my method. I. <laughs> Yeah, I've got to go Facebook as well, simply because I'm too much of a creature of habit, and I started Facebook first, mm. and so uh, that's always been my go-to. Do you even have a Twitter, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I technically created one, and I maybe tweeted once okay. like, that first day, and I don't think I ever logged in again, so for me, it's Facebook. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's that I cannot keep to that 140 character limit. Every time I try to post something on Twitter, I get frustrated and angry with it because I'm trying to think of how I can abbreviate things and, like, shrink things so that I can fit in, you know, it's such a short thing. So, for me, I, I like, fa- actually, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to cheat. I prefer Live Journal. That's it. I said it. I love Live Journal. rule <laughs> <laughs> <Game> breaker. <laughs> I, I miss LiveJournal. I miss MySpace because it had a blog on your page. Mm. So if you if you give it to people, they'll use it. And people would blog. But then Facebook didn't have a blog, or at least it wasn't easy to find the feature. So it just kind of died away. Yeah, what I liked about LiveJournal was that it was more oriented around just posting like your complete thoughts. Like Even Facebook, to me, is too short because it cuts off a lot of what you say if you type too much. And I don't know. I just liked... It seemed to me that LiveJournal, also my friends were more, their thoughts and their comments were more insightful also, whereas Facebook, it's a lot of like one sentence responses and stuff like that. And, I, and I'm and i just sad that LiveJournal died, you know, I mean, nobody's, nobody's there anymore, which is why I switched to 
Facebook is just because nobody was ever on LiveJournal anymore. So it was like, I was like the last guy who had to turn the lights out as he left. So it is what it is. <laughs> That's, that's how it was for me, like, going to Facebook from, like, MySpace is mm. all my friends. Just, I, I guess I'm a follower in that sense when it comes to social media because everybody just stopped using it. Well, like, at no, the you same time. Facebook. You, you got to get that Farmville game. And I was like, I hate all of you. <laughs> right. Well, at the same time, what's the point of social media if you're not where other people are? So... To me, it's kind of like, you know, blogging into, I mean, you might as well just keep a journal, you know, for yourself if that's all that you're going to be doing. So, um, you know, but that's another five questions successfully completed. Yay. So before we dive into our topic, we are going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast. Okay. Auditions for the new Earth Station Who co-host. Take one. Go ahead. Hello, Stonehenge, who takes the Pandora Cup, takes the universe, but, bad news everyone, cause guess who, ha, listen, you lot you're always in about, it's really very distracting, could you all just stay still a minute because I am talking. Not too shabby, can you close this up? Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating over 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. You never know where the TARDIS is going to go next. Earth Station Who podcast can be found at www.earthstationwho.com. Earth Station Who is a proud member of the ESO network. We are up on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace and we are done. Did I pass the audition? We'll get back to you. Next. And we're back. And so this episode is one that I called Arcade Dreams Are Made of These to talk about uh, something that I remember so fondly from my childhood. And while it makes me feel incredibly old to talk about it like this, it really is something that in its original form no longer exists. Well, I shouldn't say original because actually arcades of one form or another have existed since the 19th century. But the the version of my childhood really no longer exists, and that, of course, is the arcade. It's uh, it, it was so of that period of the 80s and 90s, uh, even the late 70s, although that's before my time. It's something that I enjoyed going to. It's something that I always wanted to try and, uh, you know, do more of. And it was more prevalent. Uh, It's not quite the right word, but uh, you saw arcade games more than just in arcades also. They were kind of everywhere for a very long time. So I wanted to open things up right from the beginning and just ask each of you about your experiences as far as, you know, did you primarily play arcade games like when you were out and about and you're just in a grocery store or whatever? Did you actually go to like the real arcades a lot? Or, you know, what, what are kind of like your just general you know, experiences with arcades? Uh, well, my primary memories of arcade were, uh, do you remember Saturn Video? Yes, I do remember Saturn <laughs> Video. 
this little video rental place in South Carolina. Anyway, it was primarily you know VHS rentals, but the other half of the place was an arcade. So I, honestly, I just love going there. I'd rent like a Super Nintendo game for the weekend, and then I would, or Nintendo, I did that back in the day mm-hmm. too. Or and then I'd go over to the other side and play a game or two. Hopefully, you know if my if my parents will give me a few bucks. <laughs> And yeah, that's where I first saw, you know, like Mortal, Mortal Kombat 2 and uh, a lot of those games. I remember going there playing the X-Men game and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, and they had uh, Skee-Ball, too, mm. which is always fun. But yeah, I mean, I like going to arcades as well or really anywhere I see an arcade game. But that was a place where I was at the most frequently because it was right down the street from us and my parents they like to rent a lot of movies so i got to go there a lot yeah and that's one of the things that it's just really hard i think now like people wouldn't understand who grew up later just how prevalent arcade games were you know gas stations grocery stores hotels restaurants you know just about anywhere you could think of somebody had at least one arcade game sitting in the corner for kids you know, that came into whatever place of business it was. And, you know, it's, it's, they, you didn't have to go to, you know, a big place that was just arcade games, but, and that's what made it kind of fun because it was almost like a sense of exploration, you know, like, oh, I'm going to this new place and, oh, look, there's a game I've never seen before. I want to play that, you know? So, um, I, I really enjoyed that. Does anybody remember Showbiz Pizza? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. There it is, right? So, <laughs> you know, when, when the, the in my day when the when the arcade really became huge you know it was like you know early 80s you know i was born in 74 so you know by the time the original nintendo came out you know 85 i was you know 9 10 years old so that's what you know the the original nintendo before that the atari 2600 mm-hmm. really got me into video games you know i never had the atari 2600 but a friend a, a neighbor did and that was the coolest thing ever because you could play pac-man at home right mm-hmm. even with crappy port <laughs> was horrible you know like i don't know what the world you know like the map wasn't even the same pac-man didn't sound like pac-man but you didn't care you had your one stick and your one button and you were wearing it out right (laughs) right it was the greatest thing ever Uh but yeah like showbiz and the local mall here had uh, a showbiz pizza and then their second arcade called timeout arcade and it was it was cool because you could go between the two and see which one had the better games right mm. and and to your point you know you could see video games almost everywhere you know like walmart had a video game section you know where you mm-hmm. could go in and play you know but it seemed like the 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 mass you know the the restaurants or department stores or whatever had like the most mass consumed video games you know like mm-hmm. there you'll see like your galaga your pac-man your space invaders your pole position whatever whereas if you went to like the showbiz or like an actual arcade then you'll see some stuff you won't see anywhere else you know like oh my gosh there's a star wars arcade game you know mm-hmm. there's you know quartet or uh, or gauntlet you know so that was awesome awesome times because you know they dropped me and my sister off at the mall and you know we'd spend you know way too much time in there and even if we didn't have money we'd go in there and hang out you know and that was you know between me and my friends that was like that was our social media you know mm-hmm. going there and you would pick a time and a day okay let's meet at the mall and let's meet at showbiz and let's hang out you know and if you were lucky enough to have money maybe you could get a slice of pizza uh but you primarily went just for the video games and skee-ball and but yeah like that was great great times I was born in 85, so I grew up uh, during a lot of the like um, mid-late 90s kind of arcade era. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I grew up in a tiny town in Montana of about 750 people. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, yeah. 
So in the in the closest the closest place for the longest time that I had any kind of access to a game was at home on my mom's like DOS based computer. <laughs> um, so I was playing stuff that wasn't even in an arcade. Like it was something like some third party had made, and it was just like you know I'm I'm sitting there playing you know Commander Keen and things like that on like Windows three point one. And uh, as <laughs> wow. time went by, yeah, yeah, that's, that's okay. I played Pork Man back in the eighties on my dad's computer, so I know. <laughs> all about crappy knockoff games Pork man. <laughs> yes. so so it was one of those where i like the first console we ever got i was probably about six or seven years old and it was a, and it was a nintendo mm-hmm. um and we weren't like really well off so it was like a huge huge deal and so for the longest time the only games i ever played were like games we rented or uh you know from the from the local rental store and it was all like you know older stuff so i mean i had friends who who were kind of in the same boat and i think when i was about eight we had gone to a town that was about an hour away and that was the first arcade i had ever seen in my life and my mind exploded (laughs) because it was called aladdin's castle Mm, it was right across from the movie theater so it was it was just a hot button place for me to be um every birthday my mom was always like what do you want to do for your birthday you know we can't afford for you to have a big party but if you want to like bring you know you know invite a friend you know we could do something so it was always like every year like we'd invite you know i'd invite a friend by you know my my godhood of power like no you don't get to go we'd go to a movie and then right after the movie uh we would go and my mom would you know give us you know you know 20 bucks or whatever and like go get quarters and then once you're out you're out so yeah i'd go and spend it you know as much time as I could. Um, and I'd find, you know, the game that I was good at. And I ended up getting into, like, you know, um, House of the Dead, because I really enjoyed, like, that shooter franchise and mm-hmm. playing, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, X-Men, all that kind of stuff. And 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 that became, like, not just my birthday thing, but my best friend's birthday thing, too. So we have birthdays that are a month apart. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> well, February, we're going to the arcade. And then in March, we're going to the arcade again. <laughs> and, and, it, and it continued on all the way up into like when i was a teenager and like finally started working like uh the arcade was still open up into like the late 90s and everything so um we would go and we would just drive all the way to butte just to go and hang out at the arcade and play some games oh that is awesome for me uh, and will or kevin do you guys remember how pizza hut used to have the games that you could actually sit down at and the oh, table right. was actually a video I- game Sure. I do. Yeah. 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 The mine had a, uh, I think it was Galaga and Miss Pac-Man. Yep. Galaga and, and Miss Pac-Man. Ro- mm-hmm. And the stream would actually, you know, rotate, you know, cause you had a player on each end of the table. Mm-hmm. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I know that was, that was one of those things that was always stuck with me as a memory. But you know, for me, at least originally like video games were like a very rare special thing. I saw them everywhere, you know, like at the gas station, the grocery store, whatever. But you know, my parents had to be in a very generous, you know, mood to let me play you know give me some quarters or whatever so i could go there while they were shopping or doing whatever but in the 90s my mom started working at the mall and there was a place that you probably remember kevin called barrel of fun oh yeah oh you're talking about on dutch uh, square bush river road yeah or dutch, no that was yeah the, 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 yeah the dutch square mall and 
So, this place, it was in the mall, it actually was like you took a giant barrel and turned it on its side and, you know, put it in the wall, and you had to climb through this barrel to get inside. And, uh, you know, both ends were open, but it was basically, you know, a barrel that you climbed through. And inside, it was it was the tiniest, tiniest space. I mean, imagine, like, a small store in your local mall, and that's how big it was. Crammed full of probably, like... 60 to 70 games like right on top of each other like you were like squeezing through bodies to get to the games which were packed you know they were all on the wall but also a whole bunch of islands in the middle too so there was like very little free space and i loved it it was hot it was you know loud it was crazy but i loved it because it was games everywhere everywhere you turned there was a game and you know that's where i experienced because you know in the past i'd played a lot of like uh, dig dug miss pac-man galaga is my favorite of the classic games um you know so i knew all those games really well but this is where i encountered things like the x-men game the avengers game uh there was a spider-man game where you could play like spider-man black cat namor there was somebody else that i'm forgetting teenage mutant ninja turtles i played before but you know this is where street fighter uh, 2 started getting popular mortal kombat you know that kind of era you know so i'm playing all these games too and it's you know fun with the whole thing of you know when you're in a packed arcade like that you just meet random people playing two-player games, right? Like, you put in your quarter, oh, okay, you know, I'm gonna play as Chun-Li, you know, I'm fighting, and some dude comes up, he puts in his own quarter, and, you know, he picks somebody else, and, you know, and you just, you know, just fight someone like you've never met before, and it's just fun, because it's just random, and, you know, just anything can happen there, so, you know, I've got such fond memories of playing in that mall, because, uh, you know, it was basically my mom had to have me after school, and she was working, and, uh, you know, but I wasn't going to hang around the store where she works. It was a place called Heavenly Scents, which was like a place of all like scented candles and various scented things that, you know, nothing of any appeal to me at all. So yeah, that's, that for me is, is the, uh, is like sort of like the pinnacle of my arcade gaming experience, even though I also liked the place later on, I used to go to a place called Frankie's Fun Park quite a bit. It wasn't anywhere near as jam-packed, and there were other things to do, like go-karts and laser tag and stuff, but I used to like playing arcade games there as well, where uh, I think Marvel vs. Capcom uh, ended up becoming my favorite game there. Um, I've always liked the one-on-one fighter-type games. I'm sure you remember uh, Frankie's too, Kevin. Ah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so, uh, you know, we've all like kind of had like our, our big experiences with the arcade and it's kind of funny because arcade games kind of grew out of a weird story. Like most people think that, um, a guy named Nolan Bushnell, Bushnell invented video games. But he really just invented arcade games because there was actually a console before any arcade game. It was the Magnavox Odyssey. And this game was really super primitive, but it did have little circuit boards that you could plug in and out, and it would change the gameplay. And the the actual inventor of video games, Ralph Baer, uh, used to get very angry because basically Atari, uh, Nolan Bushnell, was much better at marketing games. He, you know, became so popular and so well-known that he told people he invented games, and so they all believed him, but I was just reading his book about, you know, the invention of video games, and he was just, he was talking about the fact that they actually have where Nolan Bushnell, before he ever invented Pong, which was the first arcade game, had signed, you know, uh, up uh, as uh, someone who viewed the Magnavox Odyssey when they were displaying it at a display table. So he took that concept and he made Pong. 
which is the very first arcade game, and of course became so popular that the first place they put it, they called them for a service call within three days, and they're like, oh crap, what broke? They come over there, do you know what broke? They couldn't fit any more coins in because the coin thing was so full. (laughs) So so then, you know, arcade games explode uh, from that point out. You know, it was a, a hit overnight almost. And, uh, you know, kind of died away with what arcades used to be, which they used to be all just sort of like mechanical kind of contraptions. Like you still see now games like that, you know, like crane games and, you know, stuff like that, where it's more uh, sort of gimmicky in my mind. And, uh, you know, video game arcade games uh, took over. So I wanted to ask each of you guys, so in that sort of classic era, let's say pre-90s games, what is your favorite game? Oh, Gosh, I mean, that's like trying to pick your favorite kid. (laughs) I mean, for me personally, it's got to be Robotron. Mm. There's a lot of good ones out there, but Robotron was just brutal. Twin stick shooter, uh, anyone not familiar with the game, you know, it takes place place in the the uh, the post-apocalyptic future. Robot or robot overlords are in full control. And you're the last surviving you're like the one of the last surviving warriors and you have to free humans from the uh, the robots. And it was nothing. And it literally just each each stage was one screen full of death in the form of robots after robots after robots. And each each screen stage got harder and harder because more robots were on screen. But you had full 360 degree control with one stick was your movement. One stick was your uh, was your fire was your fire mechanism. And it was revolutionary at the time because up until that point you had either like one joystick like a la Pac Man or one stick and one button like your Galaga or whatever you know. And here's two sticks. Oh my gosh, what do I do with two sticks? And that game got insanely difficult. You know, it was like, I mean, the quarter muncher back in the day, you know. But yeah, I love that game. Even even now, you know, like if I find an old Robotron machine, you know, I'll, I'll throw in a quarter just, just to have that nostalgic, you know, that nostalgic feel. I'll get to like the fourth level and, and die horribly, you know, and I'm done. And I love it, you know. You know, that's what's so sad, though. It's so hard to find any of those old games anymore, except for Miss Pac-Man and Galaga, which you find everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would I would love to be able to find, like, an arcade that had a bunch of classic games like that. Oh, my gosh, it was great. And just to uh, just to touch on your point earlier, I wanted to point out, you know, how you'd, like, you'd be playing a two-player game and someone would come up and, mm-hmm. and throw in a quarter or whatever. It was like, looking back on it, it was like its own, like, social ecosystem, right? Yeah. It was the most honor system ever because someone would walk up, put their, some random stranger, put their quarter on the game, and, like, and, like they're calling next, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And everybody who's gathered around understood. I mean, there was no words that took place. Everybody just understood that guy's got next, you mm-hmm. know. And then when it was when his quarter came up, let's do this. Everybody knew it was his quarter. I don't know how, but you know, he threw it in. Let's do this. And then whoever lost, all right, man, good game, and walked away. You know, no hard feelings, no fights, no nothing. It was fantastic. <laughs> Arcades could have, you know, cured like planet Earth of all their wheels, but you know, it didn't happen. I know it was so much fun, and even <laughs> like uh, cooperative games like Gauntlet or whatever, you know couple guys are playing there's still an empty slot hey guys i'm joining in all right yeah you know right and it's just you know instant friends that you make you know just right. randomly playing video games it's it's didn't, he, didn't have to ask you just right. walk up and throw a quarter in. hey man let's do this right. but yeah yeah definitely robotron love that game awesome i'm actually gonna have to go with donkey kong mm. which is uh actually it's believe it or not my earliest memory of ever playing a video game. Uh, there was this brief time when I was very young that uh, we used to actually go to the laundromat. Uh-huh. Our 
washer was broken or whatever. So anyway, I go with my mom to the laundromat and they had Donkey Kong there. Like you were saying, back then you'd have video games in just random places mm-hmm. where you would never see them now. So yeah, they had Donkey Kong, so I got to play that. And then uh, you don't see it too often anymore. But have you seen that documentary, The King of Kong? No, I haven't, but I've heard of it. It's definitely worth a watch. It's really good. But it made me get interested. So now when I when I see the game, I have to play it anytime I actually see a Donkey Kong arcade machine. And uh, oh, that game is just brutal. It is... Yeah. <laughs> like you play the first level oh this is fun and then like god if you even make it to the third level it's like it gets hard very quickly yeah milwaukee has very few cons but the one con because most cons are in chicago which is a fairly close distance but the one con that we do have is the midwest gaming classic and so last year i went with the family and rachel poor rachel was uh that's my oldest daughter uh was re- reduced to tears uh, playing Donkey Kong oh, because it was just that br- it was and it was the arcade version it wasn't uh, any of the ports or anything she uh they um they have some kind of neat stuff. I mean they do have actual arcade games that on display that you're just allowed to go up and play they have just about every console ever made too that you can go up and play but uh the they also had these sort of like arcade emulators that they look like maybe the like the top portion of an arcade just the monitor and the joystick and the buttons and you can actually select like from like 900 different games and uh play them now all these things are for sale also at the well not all of them the consoles aren't but uh, a lot of the arcade games and these emulators are for sale they're like seven or eight hundred bucks but um the the emulators but yeah it had like 900 different arcade games you could select from and yeah donkey kong is uh, is kind of a brutal game so i i totally understand and nintendo um sort of debut in america was actually with the donkey kong arcade game yeah that's i think the first game with mario right and it's the first game with mario and uh the funny story about donkey kong i've been reading way too much about the history of video games but the funny story about (laughs) donkey kong is universal tried to sue them for copyright infringement of king kong oh wow and back in the day nintendo had licensed donkey kong to the ColecoVision for a port because this is before they had the nes over here in america and so coleco just paid off universal you know they settled out of court and the nintendo guys were like you know what this just seems there seems something a little off with that they did a little research and found out that universal had already argued that donkey kong was free use for them to make their 1970 whatever remake of the original donkey kong because the uh, original writer had owned the rights before that and they had won that case and so they were basically like nintendo was like you guys knew that you didn't have the rights to donkey kong you you know had argue, argued argued that it kong. was i'm sorry king kong you knew it was already free use and you tried to sue us and so the judge awarded nintendo the case and had universal pay them for back damages uh which i thought was a really funny story you know about the release of donkey kong over here so james what is your favorite of the classic games it's a hard question for me to answer. <laughs> There's so many. Um, Dragon's Lair. Oh, Dragon's yes. Lair. I hate that game. <laughs> when I was younger, when I was younger, like one of the first kinds of books I like my mom had gotten me like the Hardy Boys and stuff like that. So uh-huh. I had really fallen in love with like a lot of mystery novels. And um, and then on my own, I discovered Choose Your Own Adventure books. Uh-huh. And I absolutely fell in love with Choose Your Own Adventure books. Oh, you and, and me so, both. Like, J- finding this game, like finding <laughs> Dragon's Lair, being like a digital version of Choose Your Own Adventure. I just, I, I fell in love with it. And I mean, I discovered it obviously long before its actual debut. 
or long after its debut, I should say. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 a classic. Like I, I still think I have like a computer version that they released back in the '90s. Uh, that every once in a while I'll get real nostalgic and I'll be like, you know what, I'm gonna plug that in, and I still make terrible choices and die all the time. So. <laughs> You know, with Choose Your Own Adventure books, I don't want to get too far out the weeds, but uh, I used to read those and read every possible scenario. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would, with certain ones, I got so good that, like, when friends would come over, I would it would almost be like we are playing an RPG where I would just, like, tell them, like, you know, this is what happens, then what would you do? And I would know the different branches in the story <laughs> and be able to tell them, like, what would happen based on their choices. So it, someday yeah. we'll have a Choose Your Own Adventure podcast. <laughs> I love those. But for me, it's Galaga. Um, funny enough, the first time I experienced Galaga, or at least that I remember, was also in a laundromat. Um, we were on a trip, and... I'd forgotten what got dirty, but for some reason we had to wash clothes while we were on vacation. So we went down to a laundromat uh, to wash clothes. And so while we were waiting for the laundry to go through, it was like, well, we have nothing to do. And they had Galaga in this laundromat. And my brothers and I just took turns playing that game nonstop. You know, there's something to the old story about how video games used to just be, it gets faster and faster until you die. But... Galaga like kind of combines the best aspects of Space Invaders, you know, with and just makes it like so much. I guess I shouldn't say combines, but it takes the best aspects of Space Invaders, but makes it like a faster and more dynamic game by having not only the left-to-right motion, but then the things are dive-bombing you. And, of course, who doesn't go for letting one of the ships capture your ship so that you can get the double ship action going and just annihilate them? And I will, I always play that game any chance that I get. It's something that if I see that somewhere, it's like, oh, we gotta stop whatever we're doing. <laughs> I've got to play at least one game of this. And uh, you get to the point where, like, on the Avengers, you know, when Tony's like, that guy over there is playing Galaga. When I came home from watching the Avengers, I had to play Galaga (laughs) before I went to bed. (laughs) Because it was like, oh, yeah, i got to play this. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I absolutely adored that game. So would you guys say, because we all live, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of a time span of ages here, but would you say that it was kind of a thing of you played games at cons- on consoles, but you went to the arcade because it was, you know, better graphics, you know, more exciting kind of experience? Or did you find it more the other way around? You played arcade games and then you wanted to get like the game to play at home with the console? Well, for me, I know I would usually, I mean, way back in the day, the games didn't even exist on the console. Or if they did, it was a crappier version mm-hmm. of the arcade game. So uh, initially, I'd say, you know, you'd like I'd play Pac-Man on the Atari, like Will was talking about earlier, and it, it, it sucked, but it mm-hmm. was Pac-Man. But then you go to the arcade, and you get to actually play the real thing. But for years, I would often, that's where I would see games the first time. Like, mm-hmm. That's where I'd see Mortal Kombat 2 or Mortal Kombat 3 or wh- whatever the case is, or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. And then later, maybe one of my friends would get the game on their console, or I would eventually, I owned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 for Nintendo, which was actually the arcade mm-hmm. game. So yeah, it was, I guess, a case, a little bit of both. You'd go to the arcade to play the better one, or eventually you'd get to own the game that you had seen in the arcade. Well, so that was my experience. And like until the the original Nintendo came out, very rarely would you see like a home version of an arcade game. You know, 
Like, I remember the 2600 had Pac-Man, but beyond that, there wasn't a whole lot of home versions of games, you know? I'm not so sure that's true, because Atari did a very good job of porting their own games to the 2600. There were a lot, I mean, Space Invaders was on the 20, I mean, that's not even their game, but I mean, popular games and their own games, you know, they had Space Invaders 2600, they had... Donkey Kong got a 2600 port. Dig Dug got a 2600 port. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So it's it, it's been since pretty much the beginning that uh, you know that consoles and arcades have had that sort of synergistic thing, and that's it is kind of a, a snake eating its tail kind of thing. But I'm just curious about perspectives because this is one of the things that I found a lot reading up on the history of video games is people discussing this issue of you know because Nolan Bushnell, who invented arcade games, wants to say, well, consoles only became a thing because people wanted the arcade experience at home but you know other people say no 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 you know people are enjoying the games at home and then they only go to the arcade because it's you know better graphics or you know things of that nature so i'm just curious about the points of view on this well and where and where i was going with it was more like to get the better experience you had to go to the arcade Mm -hmm. you know for every you know like donkey kong you had on the atari the old atari you also had such classics as boxing and (laughs) golf you know, uh-huh. which were just generic sports games, you know, just, you know, just a generic game just to sell a cartridge. Or, you know, let's not even get started on E.T. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so like, good, it filled up a landfill. <laughs> right. Legit. Yeah. But, uh, like, you know, like in my day, you know, the, going to the arcade was just something you did, you know, like it was it was something you set aside time to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, you know, when do we go to the arcade this week? You know, um, you plan it out with your buddies, you know. Um, and while you could, you know, maybe play uh, a, a version of the game at home, it was nowhere near as good as getting together and going to the arcade and hanging out. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, like if you watched the original Tron, you know, what you saw in that movie was was pretty indicative of what the early 80s was like. You know, like everybody just, that was what you did. It was the social thing to do was go to the arcade and hang out. Um, and even if you weren't even playing games, you just hung out and watched other people play games. Uh, it was more the uh, the social aspect of it than anything else, I think. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I didn't have so much of the social aspect since my nearest arcade was an hour away from where I lived. But it was a prime opportunity for me to to kind of demo games. Like that's mm-hmm. before, like you know, like we all remember, you know, the PlayStation era where it was like, here's a demo disc, and you you know get you know like five minute snippets of a game and be like, oh my god, I need to play that. The arcade was really kind of a demo base for me for a long time where, you know, outside of my birthday, like there were their off chances, like we were shopping in Butte or something like that. And we'd be at the mall and I'd ask my mom and be like, hey, you know, um, can, can I just go to the arcade? And she'd be like, I don't have any money. I'd be like, that's OK. I just want to I just want to go look at the games. And usually that was an opportunity for me to watch other people play if I wasn't playing myself to like see, you know, what there was about the game. Um, it was also an opportunity to experience games that didn't release for my console since I only mm-hmm. I think at home ever um, as far as consoles my parents bought, we only ever went as high as the Super Nintendo. So, um, you know, X-Men didn't come out for SNES. X-Men, when it released in 92, came out for like the Sega Genesis when that console, uh, you know, came out, Mm -hmm. things like that. So, you know, there was that console exclusivity that was happening. So it was the only chance I'd have to play a game that I might not otherwise have an opportunity to play. Um, and again, to to test other games and see if it was if it was in fact something I wanted to purchase for um, any console I may have had at home. 
Yeah, for me, the arcade experience was such a random act that I didn't get to plan for like I would have most of the time. It tended to be more of I was more console-centric, but even if I had a game, if I saw and it was a game I liked, if I saw it in the arcade, I was going to play it because I knew that there would be something about it at the arcade that was just better than the... I mean, even take uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 uh, for the NES, which is very similar to the arcade version, but the arcade version with the sounds, like the turtles actually talk, you know, a little bit, you get a little bit of dialogue in there, and there's, uh, you know, the graphics are way better than the NES version. So even though I had the game at home and I could play it at home, you know, if I saw that arcade game somewhere, I was fairly likely, and I had money, I was fairly likely to play it just to get that better experience, you know, out of the game. Although sometimes it happened the other way, too, because I know that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 is one of the reasons I bought it, was because I played it first at the arcade. So it is kind of a, a synergistic, you know, process there between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what? but we all agree, though, that pretty much through the mid-90s, you never got anything like the arcade experience on a console, right? Like, there's no game that you would say, oh yeah, this was pretty much identical between the two. They got close. Like, you know, I remember when Mortal Kombat came out for the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. It was like, what, 90, 91, 92, maybe? Mm-hmm. It was, that was close. You know, they got real close with that one. I mean, I remember the controversy of, you know, the, the Super Nintendo didn't have blood, you know, it was sweat. Well, well they and, had, they, Congress had hearings on Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. Which is how ridiculous yeah, it, it was, got. That was be the, that, yeah, Mortal Kombat was going to be the downfall of civilization, you know. <laughs> but Genesis, you had to put in the blood code to get the blood, you know. Mm-hmm. As consoles got, I mean, starting with the Nintendo and then the Sega Master System, and then moving on to the Super Nintendo Genesis, you know, as they paired off on each successive generation, the home versions of the arcade games got better and better Mm -hmm. to where you didn't need to go to the arcade as much to get that fix, you know. But yeah, to your point, like once we got to like the the original PlayStation era and the Xbox, then that's when the experience at home got to be equal, if not better, than the arcade, you know? Right, it became so much easier. I don't have to go anywhere, and I can have the same game, right? Right. Yeah, and so a lot of people feel that that's pretty much the... I mean, all that arcades can do at that point is give you a simulator experience, right? So you still have things like the shooters with the giant screens that are way bigger than any kind you're going to have at home. You've got the things that are vehicle-type arcade games because that gives you more of a feel for sitting in a car you know, than you would have at home. And you've got, you know, you got those more, uh, you know, things that are, yeah, more immersion, you know, but that's pretty much the only way arcades could go at that point. Arcade games could go to sort of compete with the home experience. Speaking of immersion, you're you're right, Nathan. That is the way that they've gone. However, uh, I don't know if you've tried any of the latest virtual reality games, like uh, like PlayStation 4, their virtual reality system. It's actually really, really good, and I feel like it's it's going to kind of do away with those last things that the arcade has hung on to. Like now, Mm -hmm. instead of playing a shooter at the arcade, now you can play a shooter at home, and it's like you're actually there mm-hmm. so it's uh it's come a long way the technology yeah of course yeah to your to your point as well nathan i remember when home consoles were getting better and better there was a definitive shift in the arcade with with the the, the, the arcade machines shifting literally physically transforming from that the arcade cabinet style to the more sit down you know the mm-hmm. the immersive aspect to it you know you you know like a 
Oh gosh, what was it? Outrun. It was a Sega racing game. You literally sat in it and the whole thing moved, you know, up, down, right, left. It shook you. You know, you, you had to pay like two bucks to play it. But, you know, that was that was more of an effort on the, the, uh, the, the game maker's part to keep the arcade business going because they, they definitely were feeling the competition from the home market. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things that Lucasfilm did. There was like a Star Wars trilogy game where mm-hmm. you're sitting in the cockpit, you know, and first, you know, you're doing like the trench run on the original Death Star, then you're doing the battle at Hoth, and probably, ret- oh, and I remember Return of the Jedi was you're on speeder bikes. And so it's basically, you know, all those, but like the thing was something that you could sit in and it tried to sort of give you the experience of all three of those things. And there was like the Phantom Menace game where you were doing pod racing and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, you, you there were there were a lot more of that kind of game coming out. But um, bef- let's talk just about the era then of the 90s before we quite got to that point where the arcade was sort of in its dying days. What are your favorite, what's your favorite game from that period? Oh, man. You don't make this easy, Nathan. Um... (laughs) There has to have been a game at the arcade that you were like, that you gravitated towards more than others. I'm trying to think. Um, Because I was was between two games at any given time for the most part, and it was usually like anything that was like a House of the Dead game. Okay. Which I think that came out like late 90s. I think more than anything, I always went. I always went for X Men, like X Men okay. as an arcade game, um, like because I didn't get into comics until man, like early teens maybe, and I didn't even get like hard into comics. Like I think we went to like a bookstore and I picked up a pat, like a, like a here's fifteen comics for like five bucks, and they were a <laughs> bunch of like junk comics, and I think there were like two decent ones in it, and so I like I knew a little bit about the Marvel universe, like I knew what characters I kind of liked based on like what I saw in the game. Like uh, that game is the reason I fell in love with Nightcrawler. I was like, I love this character. I want to be Nightcrawler all the time. But I, yeah, I I played it consistently. It was like the go-to for me and my friends too, because it was like one of the few, at least uh, uh, like uh, more than two player co-op games uh, Mm -hmm. that you could play at the arcade. You know, you could have four friends and, you know, defeat Sentinels and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that was probably the, the game that I, I just stuck to the most uh, during that era. Yeah, that and, like, probably Gauntlet would be the other one that let you play four players. But, yeah, four players was definitely uh, kind of unusual. So, Kevin, what about you? Oh, uh, man. Uh, some of the, well, the late 80s blurs with the early 90s for me, because I'm thinking x-men and teenage mutant ninja turtles but was teenage mutant ninja turtles actually late 80s i'm pretty sure it was early 90s it turned it depends on which t on on which teenage mutant ninja turtles game it was there they released a few between uh both the late 80s and the 90s well i think i know the one Uh, you're talking about kevin was the one that got the nes port right right Right, that that one i'm pretty sure is early 90s okay uh yeah that was definitely one of my favorites as well as the x-men game really any of the the beat-em-up games like that uh there was this other one uh, knights of the round do you remember that the name sounds familiar but i'm not i'm blanking on it oh it, yeah. it was the same style and you could play as lancelot and king arthur and that that was really fun too uh you could play like four people could play it and uh just a beat em up hack and slash type game so any any of those games i always loved to give them a try what about you will oh gosh <laughs> Same thing. Like, I mean, there was like the the epidemic of the the fighting games. 
Uh-huh. You have like your 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 kosher street fighters, your killer instincts, your your pit fighter, mm-hmm. primal rage. You know, but I think you know. Gosh, I don't know. I probably have to go with like Golden Axe. Oh, Golden Axe. Yeah, from like ninety ninety three, ninety four, maybe. Was it that recent? I thought Golden Axe was a little bit older than that. I want to say because I remember playing it in high school. I want to say maybe like ninety one, ninety two, maybe. Because I graduated ninety two, so it was definitely before I graduated. But it was it was definitely around that time. Love that it, game. It came out in nineteen eighty nine. Oh wow. <laughs> eighty nine Golden Axe two was ninety one and Golden Axe three was ninety three. I forgot got completely forgot about the sequels too. Wow, crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm still using it, darn it. Right. So, yeah, no, I mean <laughs> older games showed up at arcades because they would trade and buy from each other and everything else. So I mean, yeah. It, but but what I loved about it was it was it was a co-op game, but you could still be like a prick to your friends, right? Right. Because you know you could still there was still friendly fire, uh-huh. right? So like in between stages, you're at your little campfire. Here comes a little elf, the little the little hobbit that you had to hack and slash to get the potions and the magic and stuff. But then like you know it'd be a competition to see who get the most magic from him. But then you could also hack and slash on each other and get more magic. It's like what are you doing? Leave me alone, mm-hmm. you know. But it was also because it was a quest. And I think it was, what, three people could play at once? Two yeah. or three? Yeah, it was a dwarf, like a warrior woman, and the, like sort of barbarian dude. Right. And um, there were like different animals you could ride, and it was always a competition to see if you could mm-hmm. get to the animal first. And you, if you had enough money, then you could beat the game, you know. But yeah, that game was awesome. You know, like, I think the concept, um, Altered Beast, came out first. But I think Golden Axe really perfected the uh, the formula with it. Yes, I, I was hoping somebody bring up Altered Beast too. That game yeah. that was really cool because of like the whole thing of the animations for like when the characters became the beasts and stuff. Right, rise from your grave. That's it. Yeah. But I remember like funny story there with Golden Axe. Me and a, a friend of mine. I forgot how much money we spent on that game, but we went in one day. With enough money, we knew we had like, I don't, know, I don't know, 20 bucks each or whatever. We went in with a mission. We were going to beat Golden Axe. Let's do this. We're going in, right? <laughs> yeah. So we had like just, you know, I mean, our pants were falling down from the amount of quarters in our pocket. <laughs> but we're going to do this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because we never beat it. So we started on it. And then I'd say about halfway through, this, this little guy comes into the arcade. And uh, I don't know, he's probably like eight or nine, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it, his day was made because he found Golden Axe, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, I mean, he, I think he literally exclaimed to his, to his, his, whoever he was with, his friends, whatever. There it is, we found it. And uh, so he watched us play the game. Well, of course, he had no idea we were planning on just wasting this game, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and he didn't. He made no intention on wanting to play the game. He didn't put the I call next quarter up. And of course, we had no intent. I mean, we were young and stupid, and you know, bricks ourselves. So, as all high school kids are, and we had no intention on letting him play. You know, so we just kept on going. And uh, so, as he watched, we ran through the entire game and beat it. <laughs> and you know, spoiler alert, ruined the entire game for him. So, <laughs> so we like mic drop and then walked away. And I don't know if he ever played it or not. So, <laughs> and that that kid never played another video game ever right. again because you ruined his life. Well. <laughs> I think about that kid often, and I hope he's okay. okay. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a funny little moment. But yeah, my Golden Axe was awesome. Oh yeah, no, I love Golden Axe. But for my favorite, probably of the you know '90s heyday of video games, it's got to be Street Fighter Two. I loved that game. It was a game that because um, I even before I owned it, you know, it was one of those. Oh, I used to have a subscription to Nintendo Power. 
So every time they would give you all like the cheats and or just breakdowns of, you know, how things work in games and stuff like that, I was reading it for games that I had never played. And uh, my brothers, I think, did one time rent Street Fighter 2. And so I had played it. But then at the arcade, again, because, you know, the experience of the arcade was so much better, the graphics were better and everything else. That was a game I always gravitated to. And from that point on, the Capcom fighting, fighting games became like favorite of mine because if you know the moves for the characters in any one Capcom game you know the moves for all of them because it's always the same moves just translated to different characters so you just gotta figure it out it's like oh is it this okay no that doesn't work is it this oh okay that works you know and you just figure them out and uh you know so uh you know you can very quickly pick up a new Capcom game and learn what the fighting moves are so uh but yeah I you know in the beginning I was heavy into using Guile but I quickly learned that Chun-Li is the best character on that game and uh that speed and just being able to just get around and hit people and dodge away so quickly uh made her amazing and so I am a huge Chun-Li fan and I'll always play her and beat everybody so plus with Chun-Li she had like her her bounce kick yep where I mean it would just frustrate the crap out of anybody you played against because (laughs) you're like get off me get off me you know (laughs) I remember Street Fighter 2 was one of those games too where it was like it was a real close Real close to the arcade was the home version on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, no, it was it was close. The graphics were definitely better in the yeah. arcade, but the play control was pretty much the same, and the graphics yeah. weren't that much better in the arcade. Yeah, I mean, it was a real close approximation. Yeah, and so then, of course, later on, when they come up with things like uh, Marvel versus Capcom, it's like, that's basically Street Fighter, just with different characters. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's why I, I loved that game as well. So... You know, we kind of talked about, you know, sort of like the the down, you know, turn of video games because or the arcade games because the consoles became technologically superior and there wasn't that difference anymore. Uh, but do you guys, because there are a lot of arcade-like places, you know, that aren't quite the same, but, you know, they kind of popped up, I would say, in the last, I don't know, five to eight years or so uh so do any of you guys go to any kind of like an arcade place anymore uh i have a story real quick okay Uh, sure well i have two recent arcade exposures so last uh actually last week i was on a cruise a carnival cruise and they have a little mini arcade section and it's it's pretty sad (laughs) but they have a few fun games and it's basically what you were saying before how they've gone more the simulation route like Mm -hmm. they have a jurassic park game it's not that old one we used to play it's okay. like a new it's similar you still sit inside the vehicle but it's it's like a newer version mm-hmm. of the same old there's also a star wars simulator game there was a couple a couple things like that and that that's definitely the direction they've gone there was no traditional like arcade nothing like pac-man or anything mm-hmm. but just down the street from me i live in san diego and in north park there is this uh coin op bar and you, you go there, it's a bar like mm-hmm. any other, but the entire place, the walls are lined with classic arcade games. Oh, and it is cool. awesome. So they have X-Men, they have uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Area 51, Mortal Kombat 2, House of the Dead, Ms. Pac-Man, Galaga, like pr- pretty much any of the classic games, you name it, it's there. And it's great. So people, adults, young adults, they go there, have a few drinks, play a few games. They're pretty cheap. And the last Sunday of the month is free play. Mm. And all the games are free, which is amazing. 
So if you're ever in San Diego, check out the coin op. <laughs> that is Road amazing. Trip. And you know, that's one of the great things about nostalgia, you know, and the fact that people our age are getting to running their own businesses and stuff like that, that that's part of the reason why I think all that stuff's making a comeback. Because people who, you know, remember those things fondly are now, you know, owning their own stores or whatever and saying like, you know what, I love playing arcade games. Why don't I, you know, bring those back? So I think that's cool. It's funny that you mentioned bars. Um, One of the things that I learned from reading video game history is that before arcade games rehabilitated them in the mind of the public, pinball games were considered something that no reputable person would play. Because you found (laughs) pinball in bars or gambling places. You didn't find them anywhere else. So it was considered like, oh no, you know, that's, you know, like kids playing pinball. Oh my God, you know, like you wouldn't do that, you know, (laughs) it's like, but then when arcade games came out and, you know, they started getting the same distributors would have both things because they're, you know, similar, they're coin op, you know, devices and whatnot, you know, it's sort of like rehabilitated, you know, pinball games where you start seeing pinball games in arcades too, you know, and so uh, I always found that funny because, you know, to me, pinball's always been like a thing you find in arcades. AIDS, but it didn't always used to be that way. So yeah, whenever you see a pinball game, just think of how sinister and corrupting it is for children. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like we've got a couple of those things kind of uh, where I'm at. So uh, it, it and I did a podcast about this, got months and months ago, and we it was the podcast was called The Rise of the Barcade, which is becoming like this new thing. You know, I I give millennials, even though I am part of that era like on the real late end Uh, (laughs) and i give millennials a lot of hell for being just that being millennials but if there's one thing that they have helped in bringing i i think helped in bringing back being into like all these retro digs as far as clothes and all this other retro crap is that like the rise of the barcade we actually have a place here that uh right next door to the game store the game store is called reset games Mm. and right next door uh, a space opened up and they created the reset barcade they're open a little later in the afternoon and then they're open all the way until like 10 11 o'clock at night something like that they don't do draft beer which always disappoints me because i feel like they'd have a way better selection (laughs) but uh you can go in there you can buy a bottle of beer you can buy a soda whatever you want and they've got, uh, I mean, things as as you know uh, was said earlier, kind of ranging all over the place. So they've got stuff going from you know uh, you know the golden age of the arcade all the way up to like um, you know the '90s era of arcade. Um, they've got a bunch of pinball machines. There's another place in town that is a pinball bar. So the downstairs uh, they serve all, all your standard liquor accoutrement, and upstairs is all pinball machines. So, I mean, they've got stuff that's, like, super early. They've got, like, Star Trek and a Star Wars pinball machine. They've got just this huge variety, and it's, like, 15, 20 different machines that are upstairs. And I actually did, like, a fundraiser uh, with a group uh, where we, like, that's what we did. Like, we went, we drank, and we played pinball to, like, raise money for, like, some local charity kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So that is definitely on the rise. That's awesome. Uh, Will, how about you? Well, here locally, I live near Knoxville, Tennessee, and to my knowledge, there's not like a um, a retro arcade, but I'm I'm close to like Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area, which is a big touristy type area, and there's a handful of arcades there, and there's also a hybrid restaurant arcade hangout place. If you guys have heard of it, called Dave and Buster's. Yes. Yeah. In in Nashville, which is you know relatively close to me, about three hours down the road. But that's kind of been like the evolution of the arcade, the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, because because it's full on restaurant. 
you know, full on bar. The, um, you know, it's got a bowling alley. It's got, you know, pool tables. It's got a full on arcade. You know, everything's got a bar in it. It's kind of like an arcade for adults, but, you know, um, but you can also go and get some food, you know, but it's not quite the same. And, you know, the handful of arcades in the Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg area kind of designed the same kind of business model in that it's more designed to be like a, like a quick fix kind of arcade. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no games there that'll, that, that's going to give you a 20, 30 minute, you know, epic kind of gaming session you know you you play like one race on a game and then you have to re-up on the on the credits you know so it's more about you know how much it's you know it's it's you know really it's more about how much money can they make off of you but it's you know there's it's more just a a, a, an instant gratification kind of gaming fix than it is you know a long-term gaming marathon you know Mm -hmm. so definitely not the same but it's i mean it's it's a fun place to go to because you you know it brings back that social aspect of it you know you go hang out with your buddies hang out with your friends get some food get a couple of drinks you know play some games that kind of thing so yeah david busters was actually what uh i was going to bring up as well because it's somewhere that you know, my wife and I used to try and go to as often as possible. It's kind of fallen by the wayside as our kids have gotten older and, you know, we're doing more and, you know, we don't have as much money as we used to and whatnot. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's not a cheap place to go to, definitely. Right, you know, and when the kids were young, it wasn't really a place for them, you know, because you're, it's right. right. It is more, you know, of, a, of an arcade for adults and whatnot. But the thing that I find about, there's two things that annoy me. One is the card reader instead of the quarter. Because I can keep track of my quarters, right? And I can sort of feel how many I have. The card that they give you, where you never know how many credits each game is, right? You just swipe the card, it tells you so many credits left or whatever. But it's... It's it's a weird thing. It's weird to convert the dollars to the credits and like have like a good like idea of where your money is at any point. Right. And the other thing is, it seems to me that arcades are going. See, I wish we had I I had near me one of these like arcade bars that are coin op and whatnot. Not because you know it seems like more and more the arcade games are going to like the sort of like fun fair ticket producing kind of games because most of what's at Dave and Buster's is that kind of thing. Yeah, it might not be like a like a totally mechanical kind of thing but even like a lot of the games are just quick things like even like the fruit ninja arcade game yeah you swipe the fruit and based on your points it spits out like a number of tickets or whatever and it's kind of nice because yeah you accumulate tickets you can get stuff at the store you know you trade in your tickets for you know whatever crap they've got but you know the point the purpose is different it's not to get you know, the high score. It's not to play as long as you can. The game has a fixed time limit. Right. And you just try to see, you know, how well you can do within that fixed time limit and, you know, how many tickets get spat out at you. Uh, I know at least the one here in Milwaukee, the only, like, classic arcade game they have is a Miss Pac-Man Galaga combined machine. Oh, wow. Yeah, and everything else is new. Now, one game they do have, which I absolutely adore, and Kevin might remember it from the time I was in San Diego, is Versus Pac-Man. Oh, yeah. Because that's taken that old concept of Pac-Man and made it where up to four people can play... And even though it is a really quick game, it's a lot of fun as you're each trying to get the power pellet and eat each other. You know, there's the ghosts and everything else, just like normal Pac-Man, but you're trying to, like, kill each other, too, so that you could be the last Pac-Man standing. So that gives it, like, a whole new element to the game that makes it a lot of fun, in my mind. Right, yeah. That's that's actually the only new game they had at that coin-op. 
bar, mm. which is kind of funny. It's all retro, and they're like, uh, okay, we'll let this one new one in. Well, because it is very retro, even though it's a new game. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that all being said, like, the Dave & Buster's in Nashville does have a few, like, new games, which are a lot of fun. You know, they've got, like, the Star Wars Battle Pod game, which is really a lot of fun. It's kind of like your own little, like, mini IMAX screen, which, you know, it's good immersion there. Uh, they got, like, four-player Mario Kart arcade, you know, which is mm. great. But because it's a newer game, they charge you more credits, and then one 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 race, and you got to re up, you know. Right. But they also have like full size Rock'em Sock'em robots, which is outstanding, <laughs> you know. Awesome. You know, like you know these these guys are like five feet tall, and you know you got to, and it plays just like the old arcade or the old the old toy, you know. You got your two sticks. Mm-hmm. But same thing, you know, like a minute worth of match and, you know, you got to throw in your card again. You well, know? yeah, I'm finding there's a lot of games that are based on apps you can play on an iPad or an iPhone. There's like an Angry Birds arcade game, Fruit Ninja arcade game, stuff like that. Yeah, and you there's, there's a lot of just plain up, like, gambling type games, like the wheel that you spin, and based on where it spins, you get a certain number of tickets. And and there's very little, uh, and then there's the simulators like we talked about, and then there's very little like classic gaming, you know, going on in there, yep. which is kind of disappointing to me. So yeah, I think that we've covered an overview of arcade games pretty well. I mean, we could probably go on for another hour just talking about like every. <laughs> single game that you know we had some fun experience with or whatever but as we sort of wind down here you know if there are any games that you want to give a shout out to that you didn't have the time you know now's the time to do it battle toads oh i love battle toads <laughs> yeah that's a game i played on the nes but not i don't know if i ever played it at the arcade was it a pretty pretty uh, close port yeah <laughs> <laughs> It was okay. I mean, uh, I think that one was more of a graphical thing for me than anything. Mm. I think uh, at the graphical standard, uh, it was better at the arcade by far. But I think controller-wise, like, um, the controls held up well for, like, the uh, the SNES port, you know, in, into Battletoads. Like, all that uh, transitioned pretty well from the arcade. Awesome. Double Dragon. Mm. Oh, yeah. It was, mm, yes. it, and honestly, I haven't seen an actual arcade version of Double Dragon in decades. But yeah. Remember playing that when I was very young? It was fun. The game is hard as hell, but yeah. I don't know. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I got to play Double Dragon just to get my ass beat. But it's, you know, fun game. Yeah. Will? Oh, gosh. You can mention more than one, too, if there are like two or three that you want to talk about. Uh, I'll go with two. One was a. Um... Uh, and I only saw it in one arcade here locally, and I don't know how popular it was, but I really enjoyed it. It was, game, it was a tank game mm. called Assault, and it was a top-down view, and you're, you know, obviously you're playing as a tank, and you have to go, you know, destroy the enemies, hit the boss at the stage, that kind of thing. But, you and it, you know, you had your two sticks to control the tank with, and but the cool aspect of it was you could literally, like, lean your tank back and arc your shots <laughs> you know, above like walls and you know other obstacles and rocks and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it added a cool little uh, a cool dynamic to the gameplay. But of course, you know, the more stages you get through, the harder it gets and that kind of thing. So that was a lot of fun. If you can find that, that's definitely a good one. That I probably have to go Killer Instinct, mm. the original arcade version of the first game, because that was one of those games where like if you really knew what you were doing, you were unstoppable at that game. Mm-hmm. But you had you could go in there with no clue. And to start hitting buttons and still hold your own, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and like that first because I, you know, I go in there and watch people play, and they pull out like a 
like a 70, 80 hit combo, you know? <laughs> I'm like, what just happened? And then, you know, you go in there and have no clue, but you'd pull out like a 20 and feel pretty good about yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And plus the graphics on it looked like it was straight up, you know, like claymation kind of look to it. So it was a really good game as well. Yeah, I, for the classic games, I was a huge fan of Dig Dug as well. I don't know what it was about that game. You know, of course, it did get ported both to the Atari and the NES. The NES port was actually pretty close, but then again, it was, you know, a port of a fairly old game at that point. You know, I just loved digging and trying to drop the rocks on the monster, which is usually not the best move to make. You know, if you've ever played Dig Dug, you, you should just, like, go straight to where the monsters are and just try to, like, explode them. But, you know, you always want to try to dig under a rock and have a monster chasing you so that the rock falls on it because, you know, as a little kid, that's funny. So, you know... <laughs> Plus, you got more points that way. Right, and you got more points that way. So, you know, it was, uh, that was, you know, one of those games that, yeah, it's silly now. It's, you know, definitely not one of the greatest games of all time, but I really enjoyed it a lot. For uh, the later generation of games, I did give a quick shout out to it, but there was this awesome game that was after, like, technologically, I think it was after the X-Men game. I only ever saw it, like, twice at two different places, but there was this Spider-Man video game where uh, it was, again, a four-player game where you could play as Spider-Man, Black Cat, uh, Namor, strangely, out of nowhere, because he's not really a usual Spider-Man, you know, surrounding character. And I forget who the fourth one was, but uh, I think it might have been Hawkeye. And the cool thing about it was it kept changing perspectives. So, you know, sometimes it would be like a, you know, a, a side view where you're doing like platformer type action. And then it would like zoom in and you'd go more for that sort of pseudo 3D, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles type arcade game, uh, where the screen is sort of slanted and you can walk in, you know, all three dimensions and stuff. And, you know, there were the boss battles where you fought guys like Kingpin and Venom and everything. And it was just, it was cool because of the way that it changed perspectives and was also, uh, you know, another one of those fun games where it was cooperative play and everything. So that was another one that I wish I remembered its full title, but it's the, it's probably the only arcade game to ever have Namor in it. Let's just put it that way. So, you know, (laughs) if anyone, if anyone recognizes that, you know, (laughs) Submariner was in it, you know, that's, that's the game I'm talking about. So, (laughs) Oh, I gotta give a quick shout out to, uh, to Narc as well. Okay. If if anyone's ever played Narc, it, it speaks for itself. It's awesome. Not to get too far down a rabbit hole, but do you guys remember there were all these sort of gimmicky games that would show up for a little while? Like, I remember one at Barrel of Fun that was like, this is a holographic game where it was like a time travel game or something, and the and its gimmick was that it was... It was sort of like within a glass hemisphere instead of like the normal monitor type thing, and it was like yeah. uh, projected images up in there so it was like sort of hologram it looked sort of like the star wars chess game kind of graphics weren't weren't you like a cowboy like so through time or something Uh, yes you were a cowboy going through yes that's exactly what it was (laughs) i I forgot what it was called but i remember the game yeah yeah no yeah it's it's always funny like the different tech that they tried to try out in those games or in the in the arcades all right, so uh, I think that's a wrap on this episode. I'm definitely want to talk consoles again sometime, or you know, uh, later, uh, and do sort of a console conversation. But that'll have to be broken up because talking just about consoles, you know, from the beginning to now would 
you know, be ridiculous. Because if there's a lot to talk about with arcade games, there's so much more with console games. Oh my god, I can go on for hours and hours on my own. <laughs> so I think that'll be a lot of fun to, uh, to try later. So let's um, say goodbye and uh, let people know where they can find you. So, Will, why don't you uh, sign off? Good night, Internet, and keep playing video games because they're awesome. And you can find me on uh, random episodes of the 42 cast and on Facebook. All right. And James, why don't you sign off and let people know where they can find you? Um, just as well, you can find me on random episodes of the 42 cast. You can find me on my own podcast through Roman on the Rocks, The Ass with Class. And occasionally I pop up on Twitter, um, but usually I just use my Facebook. Uh, either one um, is just at uh, Roman on the Rocks. And Kevin, why don't you sign off and let people know where they can find you? Uh, they can find me on this episode I was just on. And uh, <laughs> other than that, I guess it's like trying to find the A team or something. I'm not all over the place on the internet. Oh, God. So, yes, yeah, so you just rewind this episode, you know, go back to the beginning and just play it through and you can find Kevin. But um, <laughs> it was good to have you on, Kevin, and uh, hopefully we can get you on again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, thank you, James and Will, for coming on. Thank yeah, you, you bet. And that's the end of our retrospective on arcades and arcade games. I hope that you enjoyed our walk down memory lane. Let us know what you thought of the episode, and let us know what else you would like to see on the show. Would you like to see us talk about video games more often? Would you like us to revisit the arcade at some point? Would you like us to talk about console games, other stuff? Uh, what other topics do you want us to cover? Just let us know all of it. And you can do that through a variety of ways. One way is by going to our website at 42cast.com and leaving a message on any of the topics that are posted there. You can also email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes, or you can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can tweet to us at at 42cast. So I'm aware that the uh, update schedule hasn't been the best lately, and there's going to be an intentional delay for the next two weeks because I am going to be on vacation. And after that, I hope to get back into a regular posting swing, and that will be with uh, an episode where I get to interview the game scholar himself, Leonard Herman. So it's going to be two video game episodes back-to-back, but I hope that you enjoy that. It's, it's kind of the last pillar of the 42Cast. I've always said that I want to talk about video games on top of TV, movies, books, comics, etc. And this is the first chance that we get to actually do that. So, yeah, I'm doubling down, but uh, you know, after that we'll start rotating through topics again and talking about various different things. So the variety will definitely remain. So that's it for this week. Please join us back next week when we'll have Leonard Herman as our guest for an interview. And until then, this is Nathan signing out. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. 
Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.